Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode is brought to you by Yumiko. Yumiko just released a multicolor plus black and white collection of leotards. Pieces feature intricate designs that can include different colors within the same panel, alternating velvet and nylon trims on different sides of the body, as well as multiple fabrics and colors on straps and necklines. Stand out in class and rehearsals with these beautiful designs that are like nothing you have ever seen before. We invite you to see these new items in person at the Yumiko store in New York City. And on December 8th, you can come see us too. We will be recording a live podcast on Saturday, December 8th at 4 p.m. at Yumiko's New York flagship boutique with special guest Juliet Doherty, star of the movie On Point. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook for more information coming soon about our live podcast on Saturday, December 8th at 4 p.m. And in the meantime, explore all of Yumiko's beautiful and personalized dancewear at yumiko.com. I'm Rebecca King-Ferraro. And I'm Michael Breeden, and you're listening to Conversations on Dance. Today we are joined by Miami City Ballet Artistic Director Lourdes Lopez and our former boss. Born in Havana, Cuba, and raised in Miami, Lopez began taking ballet lessons at the age of five and continued her training full-time at the School of American Ballet when she was 14. George Balanchine chose her to join the New York City Ballet Corps de Ballet shortly after her 16th birthday. She danced many featured roles with the company and was promoted by Balanchine to soloist in 1984, one of the last dancers he promoted. She became a principal under the direction of Peter Martins in 1984, and she retired from the stage in 1997. After retirement, she joined WNBC-TV in New York as a cultural arts reporter. She later went on to become the executive director of the George Balanchine Foundation and then co-founded the dance company Morphosis with Christopher Wielden in 2007. In 2012, she became the artistic director of Miami City Ballet. Lourdes has been named a nominee at this year's Dance Magazine Awards taking place in New York City on December 3rd. For more information on the Dance Magazine Awards, visit dancemagazine.com. 
Lourdes, thank you so much for joining us today. We've obviously been wanting to do this for a long time. So it's I'm... my pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me. And I'm glad it worked out. Yeah, me, yeah. me too. So fun. It's so glad we can all be together here in West Palm Beach. <laughs> so great. So let's just start at the beginning with your career. Um, when did you first become aware of Balanchine and the School of American Ballet? Um, that would have been at the age of 10, actually, when I showed up for an audition. And they rejected me because I wasn't 12. <laughs> and so I went to Joffrey for one summer. But then I re-auditioned through, um, I don't know if you've heard of her, Irina Kosmovska. She's a wonderful teacher out on the West Coast that would do all the summer courses at uh, School of American Ballet. Mm -hmm. And um, and I happened to be out on the West Coast because my sister was getting married. And I took class. And Irina actually called to school and said, you know, you really have to take her. So at 11, I ended up with a summer scholarship um, to the School of American Ballet Level 1, and then they gave me a full scholarship to be able to study during the year uh, in Miami. And that, I mean, that really kind of propelled me because it was, you know, as you know, just very expensive. It's not something that yeah. right. that people take on lightly. Absolutely. So. Yeah. So what was your experience like at SAB? And then how did you come to join the company it in New York was, City Ballet? It was that very first year, which was 1969. I remember because it was the year of the moon landing. Um, it was the old school on 86, not the old school, but on 86 and Broadway. And that really the first time that I saw Mr. B, because we were, we were in level one and we had our name then. And um, it was Marjorie Bressler, I'll never forget, that was teaching class. And this man came in with Uruso, Madame Uruso, and sat down there. He said, oh, that's, that's Balanchine, that's Balanchine. Mm -hmm. But I didn't know what Balanchine was. <laughs> right. right. I, didn't, I was 11, uh, and I, you know, it didn't make any sense to me. Um, but really, as, as the summers kind of um, went on, I kind of un started to understand what this was, New York City Ballet, School of American Ballet. There's an official school. You train here to get into that company. But it still didn't really... I have to tell you, honestly, it never registered until I actually moved at the age of 14 to School of American Ballet. And uh, my sister was teaching, no, sorry, my sister was working as an uh, usherette at the, what was then the State Theater. Mm -hmm. And I remember the first ballet that I saw was Jules. It's a good starter. <laughs> and I, I, I mean, I, I just, I couldn't, I, I couldn't believe Diamonds. It was, I just couldn't believe what I was seeing, which was this classical ballet that was not classical ballet right. the way that I had grown up. And then it was, then, then Nutcracker came. Mm -hmm. And I mean, then at that point, I, it was, this is it. I was hooked. I was, I, I, then I understood what it was and what he was and what he was doing and um, what it meant to be there. Mm -hmm. Right. Who were some of your teachers at that time? Oh, my God. I had, I, I say my generation, really, guys, I'm sorry, but my gen <laughs> I have to tell you, honestly, my generation. So I had Madame Danilova, Madame um, Dubrovska, uh, Madame Toomey, Muriel Stewart, Stanley, uh, Suki, mm. um, Irina Kosmovska. I had a little bit of Richard Rapp once in a while. I never had Duden. I mean, they were just these just unbelievably, unbelievable great, great teachers, a direct link to the past, just right. this direct, direct link to the past. It's interesting because you're talking about not really knowing who Balanchine was because you were little. I mean, how, you don't ever understand the, you know, gravity that he had. So what about the teachers that were there? Did Like, how long did it take you till you realized, like, oh, my gosh, I'm learning from like I was that I knew right away because I was always yeah. a, as a kid in um, in Miami. My teacher, Martha Marr, would really teach us a lot about um, ballet history. So mm -hmm. I, I understood Diaghilev, um, mm -hmm. you know, uh, Karsava, of, of, of Fokine and mm -hmm. Alonzo and Firebird. I mean, and in Swan Lake. So I understood the history of, of ballet, of mm -hmm. classical ballet. So I knew who Danilova was. 
Lines and I knew who Dubrovska was and that that I understood that um, that these were great great dancers mm-hmm. that you know and it kind of gave me a sense also interestingly enough even though we I came from a, a strong Cuban community kind of gave me the sense that I belonged I belonged to something else it was really interesting that I belonged to something much much bigger, much deeper, much older mm-hmm. um, than even what I was doing then, you know, mm-hmm. that there was a connection there through through these teachers. Right. Yeah. So how did it come about that you joined the New York City Ballet then? It came about uh, that I was, I mean, I, I have to tell you honestly, I'd never thought that I get, got, would get in. Actually, I think they told my parents that I probably wouldn't because my feet were not great. Um, and, um, but... You know, I don't know. He came and we did uh, the very first. My year was the first year that Suki was teaching Mm -hmm. there and did her workshop performance. So it was Vols Fantasy, Serenade, and First Movement, Stars and Stripes. Mm -hmm. And so it was the first year that Balanchine works were being performed by by the workshop. And and aside from that, I was also in Madame Danilova's Sleeping Beauty. And um, and so somebody was out. I was I was in the core of Serenade. I was in the core of Vols Fantasy, and then uh, somebody was out five days before Stars, and Suki came up to me, and he, she said, Mr. Balanchine wants you to, oh, knew, Mr. Uh-huh. Balanchine wants you to, to learn it. And, um, and I did it, and I think that was just the first time that I got a sense that he had somehow noticed me. I mean, mm-hmm. where and how that happened, I right have, was idea. Yeah. I have no idea. I have zero idea. He didn't he, watch class or anything? No, he didn't watch class. He took rehearsals of Madame Danilova's um, mm-hmm. Sleeping Beauty, mm-hmm. and I was one of the jewels. He took rehearsals. He took rehearsals of Serenade, and he took rehearsals of Vols Fantasy. The, those rehearsals I, I distinctly remember. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't like he was on me or, mm-hmm. it, you know, it was just like, you know, just throw her out there. Right. And then the following year, I did... Um, then I did uh, Paquita, the lead in Paquita. Um, and then at that point, he did, he came in, he worked with uh, Maria Caligari and myself who were doing it. Um, and uh, then there was a real kind of sense. And then we got in as an apprentice that we did a um, for about half a year of an apprentice season. And then he's told the school, not me, he told the school, I'm not taking her and she's way too young until she graduates how old were you at this time? Uh, Fifteen and a half oh my God. until she graduates from school. But he didn't keep his promise because I got in. I think he needed dancers, and uh-huh. I got in. But I was already doing an advanced course. I was, you know, mm-hmm. they had You're this thing there. <laughs> yeah, it's what was it called? Um, independent studies. Mm-hmm. So with Nebraska, I think it was Nebraska Lincoln or Lincoln Nebraska, some correspondence course. So I was kind of getting there, but he gave me my diploma. Stop it. He did at professional children's school. It was this, his year with Ellen Bernstein. And so uh-huh. I danced Tarantella and he went like this. Oh my God. Do you have a photo? No, I don't know. Uh-huh. No, I don't. But yeah, so I kept my promise too. That's <laughs> amazing. Oh, I love yeah. that. Yeah. So you weren't in SAB that long then? It's only a couple No, years. summer course from 11 to 14 and then two years. Two years. Two years. So what were some of those early years in the company like for you? What were your experiences as a, as a teenager growing they up in were, New York City They were a little bit, I have to tell you, Michael, they were a little bit of a mess because, <laughs> um, you know, you go from what I consider elementary school into the university. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the, there, and I was very young. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though I had my sister with me, who was five years older, living with me, it's, it's you know, there it's it's different. No one's no one's forcing you to be in that fifth position. No one's really on you. 
Mm-hmm. Um, no one's watching over you. No one's asking you questions. No one's asking how you are, how do you feel. It's, it, it's very isolating kind of in a funny way. Um, so I really floundered, I have to say, for about, um, I'd say, so I was 16. So I really floundered to about, you know, even 19, 18, 19, and really trying to figure out. I wasn't dancing. I mean, I was dancing in the corp, you know, run on Western and Fourth Went Bize, but I wasn't doing any of the, what I would call, you know, like Barocco or, or stuff like that. Um, and then there was um, somehow something just, I don't know what it was, something just changed in me. And I just said, you know, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to I'm gonna give it 150% or I'm going to leave. I'm not going to do it because it's, I'm, I'm not, I was unhappy. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then I, I started taking class with David Howard. When Mr. B wasn't teaching, I'd go over to David Howard, and he was at that time over at Harkness all the way on the east side. And either, you know, whether it was David, whether it was me, whether it was maturity, whatever it was, but something just, and I think that's what happens with dancers. One, one season, something changes and you, you don't know what it is. And sometimes you do. And something just changed and it, it started clicking for me. I started to understand what I needed to do and how I needed to work and what that meant and what it meant in rehearsals. And, and then I started getting a few little things like, you know, uh, first, we went with Demi and in in Bizet, and then I got the Russian girls in Serenade, and then I got the for, the Demis in Theme, uh, you know, and then I just started getting better and better and stronger and stronger, but I wasn't getting anything from him, uh, really at all, and it was Meryl who said to me because she was she became a bit of my mentor, Meryl Ashley, and, Meryl Ashley. and so it was Meryl who said to me I was we were doing Don, the old Don Q. Uh, Mr. B's John Q. And, um, and, you know, it was just very, he had given me, that's what happened. He had given me the Duchess mm-hmm. in the sex. So there I was, you know, really, teen. you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, triple pirouettes and faux uh, and yeah. taking four classes a day and really, you know, working hard. And I'm in, doing the Duchess with Anthony Blum in the second. Um, and people were saying, oh, it's because you're, you could fit into the costume. Oh, it's because you're Cuban. I just thought, I'm walking, you know, I'm just so, yeah. so it was not a good, it was not a good end of uh, winter season. And Meryl said, go and talk to him, you know, go and, and, and so um, I think one of the smartest things that I did is that I went in and I, I, what I said to him was, when, when am I going to dance like the principles, like your principles? Mm-hmm. When, when is that going to happen? And I didn't go in and I didn't ask for parts. Mm-hmm. I didn't ask for this. I didn't ask why I wasn't dancing. I, I said, when is that going to happen? And he said something really interesting to me. He said, um, you know, it's every day. You've got to go in there. You've got to do tondus. You've got to do jetes and higher jumps and lower jumps, higher leg, lower, faster, slower. He said, every day you've got to work and work and work and work and work. He said, and then one day you're going to wake up and you won't understand how you got there, but you'll have gotten there. You know, and so I said, thank you very much. <laughs> he didn't quite answer my question, but I get it. Um, and then little by little, I started I started getting things from him. Mm-hmm. Did you have specific dancers mm-hmm. that you did admire when you're saying, uh, when am I going to dance like the principals? Were there, there were so many icons of dance yeah. in the company at that moment. Were yeah. there some that in particular that you were? I did. I loved Kay. Mm-hmm. I loved Patty. I had Miss Violette already. Um, I didn't understand Karen's quality to much later, mm-hmm. much later in life, you know, where where um, I was already like a soloist and I would watch her do things. And then I, I went, 
I get it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I understand that. Um, and also there were some beautiful, like Renee Stopignol, mm-hmm. beautiful core dancers. Um, Delia was also an interesting one for me to watch because she was so different in all these ballets. And it was also, a, a, it made me realize that there were these kind of solid, it, it made me understand what it was. In other words, you have these solid core dancers who just know the rep. They know that they just, it's like the back of their hands, mm-hmm. the curtain goes up and they get the ballet. They mm-hmm. understand the ballet. And so that was very evident, you know, during, um, during our time. So yes, I, in fact, at one point um, I was backstage. I, I had just, not just gotten in, I, it was about you know, about five years or something. And mm-hmm. I was watching and he said, what are you doing here? And Allegro was first. And he said, I, I said, I'm just watching. He said, no, go. He said, go up front. He said, go up front and watch and then come back and tell me what you saw. Um, and he sent me several times to watch. He would say, watch, mm-hmm. watch, you know. So yes, there were, there were uh, dancers and Suzanne obviously was, uh, was one of them. She was back by the time. She was back. She had done her first, second mm-hmm. movement by the time. Um, well, it was, we were, I think I was in for about four or five years maybe. And then that's when, when she came back. And of course we had, oh, Suzanne's coming back, yeah. Suzanne, right. you know. Um, but it was, there were exciting times because he was still there, you know, very much working with the dancers. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, um, you know, you could tell how things just, you could, you could tell why they were doing what they were doing, the, you know, mm-hmm. what qualities they brought to these roles. What was it like some of these experiences working in the studio with him, having him coach and, and creating new works while you were also. The works that he created that I was around, I was in the mm-hmm. core. In the core. And so, you know, it was, he was, he was very, very nice. And it was, it was sometimes hard to kind of tell because he wasn't, mar- he wasn't, um, demonstrating so it was basically kind of showing and you do the in the little steps and but but the dancers that had worked with him like renee and delia and all the that were around us and meryl and bonnie and elise all they were used to that Mm -hmm. they were used to him and so a lot of a lot of like the the balo the union jack those works that he did even you know the the tchaikovsky festival the Ravel festival i just remember picking up a lot through watching my mate you know my (laughs) my my friend next uh Mm -hmm. uh, next translated for you right exactly (laughs) but he was just he was very gentle um he was just very nice he never he he just never repeated things he never he gave it and then you just moved on i mean it was just it was a very fast process Mm -hmm. it was a very very fast process uh unlike jerry which was a very slow Mm -hmm. um it was a very slow process so what were some of the first big you know major roles that that balancing let you uh um, have a- the the first one really was the the trip to we had um, in in eighty one the company went to uh, Denmark Paris and Berlin mm-hmm. and I think we were there for three or four weeks total and so I was called out of the blue I was called to um, the Russian girl in Serenade um, case part in violin and Apollo none of which I had learned or understudied it's happened all at once it's happened all at once in one tour <laughs> and uh, I know and um, and so he and he never I have to tell you I mean he he came to a rehearsal he walked into a rehearsal of Apollo with Maria and I and he coached us in the variations in the finale mm-hmm. but it was very it was this was not he he corrected from to me mm-hmm. personally mm-hmm. to me he corrected me more in class than he did in rehearsals in class it was what are you doing the, the, the mm-hmm. this and this and that 
But in rehearsals, it was very, very much like, you know, bend a little bit more here, mm -hmm. travel a little bit more there. Um, you know, you plea on one deer, not on, you know, mm -hmm. and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And, uh, and he never took a violin rehearsal. And that's, that's really interesting because you were the first person to do it after its originator. So did that feel, what, did you feel like, okay, he's, he, tr he trusts me and there's this level of confidence or was it a little I, daunting? To no, it was a little, it was a little bit like, I don't know what you're doing. Um, <laughs> it was a little, it was weird. It was weird to me. So we weren't, so I was able to, I had, I had learned the first First two movements in Saratoga mm -hmm. with Sally because Kay was pregnant mm -hmm. and she was in bed. She was bed rest. Mm -hmm. So I learned the first two movements and then she taught me the pas de but I never learned the finale, right? The finale had to learn on a video. So we get to, I, I think I had one or two rehearsals with Peter when we got to New York before mm -hmm. we left. And then we get to Denmark and the it's an orchestra rehearsal mm -hmm. and we start rehearsing. And it's it's Barton Karen uh -huh. and there's and there's Peter, but there's no balancing. Right. And we go through the whole thing, the two openings, the the potida, and he walks in towards the end of the finale. Oh no. And you know, <laughs> sits in his stool and uh -huh. we then we finish. I'm going like what so I went up to him and I said after the rehearsal, I said, Mr. B, I, I have no idea what to do with this. Mm -hmm. I mean and he said, Oh dear, you know, just be Lourdes. And I walked away and I thought, well, that's not really very helpful, <laughs> you know? And I really thought he was being, but he wasn't, mm -hmm. he was serious. Right. He was saying, you, you know, A, physically, he was probably saying, technically you can do this, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, but you, but what are you gonna do with it? Mm -hmm. You figure it out, I'm not gonna tell you. But that's just the way he was. And I think you can, you, he had the right to be that way because these were his ballets, but I don't know that we have the right to do that anymore as, mm -hmm the second has the next generation this yeah. is uh this is what i was i mean i want to talk about jerry's coaching style as well but this is something that is interesting because um you know it balancing isn't around anymore and you have to decide how you pass these things on so it's not a coaching style you're choosing to emulate the, this sort of mum um no, you know. I don't. I don't. I. I can't. I mean, these are his ballads, and if he felt that he didn't want to say anything, it was his, his total right not mm -hmm. to tell you anything. He had his own ideas mm -hmm. of what it was, and who am I to say no, Mister? You know. Mm -hmm. yeah. So no, I don't. I. You know, I feel that it's really important to pass down a what those steps were, the musicality of those steps, the syncopation of those steps, the energy of those steps, mm -hmm. what I think. It was like, based on what I remember, the generation that worked with him, mm -hmm. what I remember, um, I, I think it's it's because that's how those these ballets maintain, it's, it's in the details. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's in the details. Whatever those details are, and everyone has different ideas of what they are, but whatever those details are is how these, ball these ballets, um, I think, stay, stay relevant. Mm -hmm. If not, it's you're looking at it going, I don't, I, I don't get it. Well, you don't get it because it's not it's not musical. You're not you're not moving, you're not traveling, you're not bending, you're not this, you're not emo whatever whatever it is. Right. You know? I think that some people may not realize the process as an audience member, the process we go through in the studio of there's this video from nineteen seventies, there's a video from nineteen eighties, arms are different, steps are different, it evolved. How do you when there is a issue like that in the studio, a little bit of we have one video of this, one video of this, how do you make the decision of what you want to see on stage and what you feel is the right way to represent that ballet? Well, I think the mistakes on videos, at least the ones that I've witnessed here at Miami City Ballet,
Valley are are really kind of minor. In mm. other words, it's an arabesque versus an attitude. Mm. It's on seven versus nine. Right. It's um, three steps versus two. And so those, those I think are to me in a funny way less uh, less important than say. Um, a variation that has to have that has a specific quality to it, um, you know. And I mean, now I'm now I'm, I'm kind of drawing a blank. Like Bizet, every single movement in Bizet has to be different. Mm-hmm. Has to look different. You cannot dance it the same because in the though it's the same composer, it's a it's a different relationship mm-hmm. to to the music. So it's a little bit more of that kind of a little bit deeper information than. Yeah. Then mm-hmm. some there's some ballets like, you know, the energy of symphony in three movements mm-hmm. can't change. Fortis is an interesting one for me because Fortis it is so and I'm, and maybe I'm just talking all over the place. So it, it oh, it's right. really no, I love it. Yeah, it, <laughs> it's maybe it's on a case by case basis. Mm-hmm. But I I have you know Fortis is architecture on stage mm-hmm. for me. And unless you hit those kind of very angular positions, you know, where you don't move the elbow. It doesn't translate yeah. it, and unless it's a real, you know. So certain th- all ballets are different. All yeah. ballets, all ballets are different. But it makes That's so much right. sense because I think sometimes it's easy for us to get bogged down on where's the head, where's the arm, you know, and and going through those videos. But That's really, a flavor right. each thing. What really translates is the energy and the way it's interpreted in general, right. not even just the little I, detail. I do think that, um, you know, I'm, I'm starting to realize that more and more, and I didn't quite really believe it before. Well, I did, but not as much as I do now. You have to be trained um, in the style, the aesthetic, and the technique of whatever that balancing is, meaning mm-hmm. the speed and the clarity. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to be trained in that. Um because then it just gets muddled. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. These things just, you know, and that that's hard because some people, because you're doing balancing, everyone's doing balancing, so you mm-hmm. kind of feel, well, I can do balancing. Well, yeah, but you're not really doing balancing. Right. Well, I think that's interesting. That circles back to what you were saying before, is that he was more... Um, more, I get not hands on, but he would speak more about in during class. Yeah. So he might have felt uh, comfortable being less vocal in the rehearsals because he was there with you every day in class. Mm-hmm. Probably. So probably. And that's also, why you feel. You know, like people say be- also, Michael, that it, it had to do um, language English. Mm-hmm. You know, wasn't he, it wasn't a comfortable even after so many years? Mm-hmm. It was. It was still a third language mm-hmm. for him, right. uh, versus French and 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 Russian, but. Mm-hmm. I think it had to do with his view, his love of steps mm-hmm. and his love of the vocabulary. So a fifth position, like he would say in class, look at Peter Martins, you know, <laughs> that's a fifth, you know, because he just, and he loved the turnout and the point of feet and the stretch knees. And, mm-hmm. you know, he just loved what that step looked like. Mm-hmm. And so th- that is what he was on people for mm-hmm. in class, that clarity of these steps or the speed or the look of them, and then by the time we got into rehearsal, it was well. I just, I just want to see you dance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you've done your ABCs, <clears throat> right? What are you gonna, what are you gonna do with that it? That follows along with him being very speedy in rehearsals. There's no time probably for him to right. really dally on that. Yeah, he spends the time in class. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's talk about Jerry Robbins for a little. Who had a, an entirely different coaching style and um, did give you that sort of information. And um, obviously, Jerry was very fond of you. When did you? Mm-hmm. 
uh, start to work with him? What were some of the first roles that he gave you that you got to kind of delve into the deeper life of those ballets? I started working. I mean, Jerry started using me for his core ballets actually pretty quickly mm -hmm. when I got in. Um, I, I don't know why, but I was doing Dybbuk and I was doing this. I was, you know, he was throwing me in, into into things. Uh, one of the first things that I worked on with Jerry was interplay. It was a pas de deux interplay. I did one of the, the Foyte girls one mm -hmm. year, and then he moved me to the pas de deux girl the next year. You know, Jerry and I always had, I mean, we had our, a, a few moments of, um, you know, during the West Side, there was a few moments of tension, a few mm -hmm. months of tension. Um, but Jerry and I always got along. I mean, he was always really... I know he was a difficult, but he was very respectful with me. Mm -hmm. um, you know, strong and, mm -hmm. and strict and not, but not, um, I never felt, you know, I was never scared to go into a rehearsal. That I, I know people talk about being terrified to, mm -hmm. to walk into a studio. That was not my experience mm -hmm. um, with Jerry, though I, I did see him. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was there when other people were the victim of that. Right. Um, so, and Jerry was, you know, it was just, it was just a wonderful time to be at City Ballet at that mm -hmm. point because you had two geniuses and you understood that these guys were, con you just, you were in a, in a, in a place that was constantly creating. They, right. We were constantly creating new stuff, you right. know? Mm -hmm. And, um, and so you understood the level of their genius, of their capacity, mm -hmm. but they were so totally different. They were just so totally, totally. Here's one person that's telling you in classroom exactly how to how to dance in the rehearsal. He's leaving you alone. He, then versus to the other one that is giving you every single piece of information. Right. You know how to do it, when to do it, why to do it. And so you had to kind of in that that in his parameters mm -hmm. had to figure out. You know, kind of who you were. Mm -hmm. um, so it was. You know, I. I've, you know, I just feel that that generation that was there. Um, it's like a, we were like fully evolved, you know, right. we could kind of, we could kind of do it, we could all. kind of do it all. We mm -hmm. could kind of do it all. Yeah. Was there a way you preferred to work or did you just, you needed both? I don't think I, I just, I only knew both. Mm -hmm. I, I, I only, you know, I can say I only knew, yeah. It didn't, it, the, one didn't, you just, you had I didn't, both. You I had both. Bad. It was, it, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I had both. I didn't, yeah. I have to tell you honestly, I didn't. Some other people might have thought about it. I, mm -hmm. I didn't. Yeah. I mean, I didn't. I just, I mean, I remember the very first when Jerry brought Fancy Free for the first time to City, City Ballet, Ballet. Mm -hmm. right? It was only at Ballet Theater. And um, our first rehearsal was, was sitting, all of us, there was Peter Martins. <laughs> See, we were all sitting down, mm -hmm. listening to what life in New York was during World War II. That's what it was like. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that was our first rehearsal. That was the whole rehearsal. That was the whole no rehearsal. dancing, mm -hmm. just starting no to get into the life of it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Just sit down, and this is who you are, and these are your characters, and this is what it was like, and this mm -hmm. is what shore leave meant. And, you know, being – I mean, it was it was a little bit like – and then you just kind of got into it because he had a very theatrical – it was it was all about a narrative for mm -hmm. him. Yeah. So in 1981, you were promoted to soloist by Balanchine, one of the last people to be promoted by him. What did that mean to you? to have that moment with him? Um, well, he, you know, he doesn't tell you. It's, 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 uh, oh, right, we've, right, heard, yeah, yeah. we've heard this. Yeah. So it was still happening that late. <laughs> Even then? Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, like it know. was his, the whole, yeah. Like your yeah. paycheck change. It's like your paycheck change, exactly. And it was sort of like this kind of routine mm -hmm. thing. And um, so it was the, um, Pat Avedon, who was our general manager at the time, just, you know, came up to me and, she said, by the, and actually did, gave me a paycheck and said, just by the way, you're, you know, Mr. B just promoted you to soloist. And so, um, 
it was kind of emotional because I didn't, I mean, I was dancing a lot and I, and I knew that I was dancing well, but it wasn't, I, I, I never, I didn't look at stages that way, mm-hmm. but I did, um, it was during Nutcracker and I did run up to him and uh, I said, you know, I just said, Mr. Balanchine, I just want to thank you so much for promoting me and I, I just never, and, and he looked at me and he said, dear, why are you thanking me? You did the work. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really interesting for him to say, which is, it's a kind of, it's, it's a very much like, um, you know, it's an individual thing. Right. You know, there's nobody, you did it. Mm-hmm. Right. No one's going to take credit for, for where you are today. And he was saying, I'm not going to take credit for where you are today. You should take credit for where you are today. Yeah, it really, there it's must re- be a reason why he did that. It seems very, like now that you're telling us that story, that feels like very purposeful that he didn't have these big conversations. Because you said you didn't really think about the ranks. Maybe that's why. I think it's because he felt it was an individual thing. I, I think he felt that everybody could, if they wanted to, everybody could. It's just a matter of focus and whatever whatever it took. And it wasn't him mm-hmm. and it wasn't this. It was you. Mm-hmm. Only only you can make it happen. Right. I think that's maybe what he meant. Yeah. So Balanchine passed away just two years later. Um, what? How did that affect your career personally, and then the a company lot. at large? A lot. I mean, it affected me a lot. I, I've, I, I'm not going to cry about it, but I still feel that he, he died way, um, way too soon for me. For you. For, way for too you. soon. Way too soon. Because I was just starting to get things, and I think he. Uh, it's okay. Everyone cries on our podcast. It's okay. It doesn't worry. I don't. Like I don't it. mind yeah. people knowing this, but um, I think he was just trying to get me mm-hmm. as a dancer, you know, and kind of like what I was and what I was doing and where I could go and where I couldn't go. Um, and I felt very comfortable around that. I felt I felt like I could trust him. And so he died. Actually, he he was like the last three months. He just kind of was in the hospital, and and we weren't hearing that much about it. And then all of a sudden, he was. Uh, he was gone. It was um, it was a a, a very um, a very hard next couple of years for that company um, because we ended up with, um, you know, while he was uh, people had issues with Mr. B. Um, he wasn't a saint mm-hmm. at all. Um, he was a human being, but there was um, a kind of. Um, sense that he was taking care of you, that he was aware of you, that, you know, he didn't avoid you. Mm-hmm. He didn't avoid, you know, conversations with you. And he was very, he was very human in that respect. Um, and also there was a sense of hope. If he didn't get it, you're going to get it next season. And, you know, mm-hmm. and all of that kind of disappeared really um, overnight. Mm-hmm. And we were like a little bit, you know, how is this going to work there? Peter was very different. It was a very different kind of authority, very different kind of um, of of mentorship, if you want to even use that word. And you were all his contemporaries too. We were all his that contemporaries, was. right? And it was also new for Peter. Right. I mean, he'd never been. I mean, I think that's what people forget that Peter also lost his father mm-hmm. with Mister B. As the loss that we felt was Peter's as well, and right. he all of a sudden had these huge shoes and company and. Mm-hmm. Um, dealing with Jerry, and so it was. It was not an. It was a. It's a time that when I think back on it, is a little bit of a fog for me. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and Peter was very generous with me. I mean, he promoted me to principal. He gave me a lot, a lot to dance. Um, uh, but it just never quite felt the same. It just never quite felt that there was someone that was watching mm-hmm. over me. That's all. But you did, you, you obviously you got promoted to principal. You danced for more than a decade after. How did you get the, the fog to sort of lift? Was it just time or was there a personal process that you um, went through? 
Um, I think it was just time. I mm-hmm. mean, I probably could have used, um, you know, uh, a coach. And I think I think this is why I, I love the studio process so much mm-hmm. here at Miami City Valley, because I myself felt that I'd walk into a studio and I'd kind of look around and I go, so it's me and the pianist and, uh. you know, these steps. <laughs> uh-huh. and And there wasn't. You know, there wasn't someone that I felt was really, come on, Lourdes, this is, let's mm-hmm. get you to the next level. Right. Nobody was doing that. Right. Nobody was getting Lourdes, you know. And um, so I felt that I, I, you know, I needed that. And uh, so I think it was just, he was just, I was tenacious. I mm-hmm. think I was just tenacious in trying to figure out. And, um, you know, I, I would watch a lot. And I remembered, um, you know, I remembered what it looked like and what it was supposed to look like. And, mm-hmm. but it was, it was, there were hard years. There were hard years. Did you? How did your promotion happen to principal? Did you get a paycheck raise too that time? That's the same, exactly the same <laughs> way. Uh-huh. Yeah, just, they just came up to you and they just said, "Get you know, you're promoted." Um, the traditional mm-hmm. life. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we've talked about retirement a lot on this podcast as we have just retired. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, how did you make that decision that it was time for you to stop dancing and move on to something else? And what was that initial transition period like for you? Um, I watched. A few before me uh, struggle mm-hmm. with that. And, um, you know, beautiful male and female, beautiful, mm-hmm. beautiful dancers that, um, you know, that it's, it's very difficult to stop because it's so much of, it's so much what mm-hmm. that defines you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a couple of things happened with me. Number one, I'd, I'd been married and divorced and I'd had a child and mm-hmm. I'd gone to school. Mm-hmm. So there was a real sense somewhere in the back of my mind that, that there was another Lourdes. Right. That there's that this just wasn't it what this wasn't wasn't just this, that mm-hmm. there was so I think that happened. And I had I'd gotten into the habit, you know, certainly <clears throat> after Mr. B died, um, I'd gotten into the habit of saying, Are you in the right place at the at the right time? Mm-hmm. And I remember the last time I asked my that we were I asked myself that we were on stage in nineteen ninety three with the Balanchine celebration mm-hmm. and everybody it was like the last day and I, and I said to myself you know am I in the right place at the right time and I thought yes I still am right mm-hmm. I'm still you know it's still and then you know a few years later I just wasn't mm-hmm. I just. I just wasn't. And, um, and then I thought, this is, I've got to somehow systematically, because I am kind of very systematic. And I said, I've just got to, I have to plan my exit mm-hmm. somehow. And I don't know, I don't know how I'm going to do that. Mm-hmm. And then the, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the opportunity just appeared, mm-hmm. uh, which was this, uh, this uh, work with Channel 4 based on, on an outreach, little, you know, um, outreach program with Casita Maria with, um, uh, underprivileged children in the South Bronx that I did, and I got a medal, and I gave a, I gave some remarks at this at this fundraising for this organization. Mm-hmm. The general manager from Channel Four was there. He was interested in starting an arts, um, se- you know, segment uh, on television on Sunday mornings. Would I be interested? And I just said, "Here's my right. ticket out." Yeah. I said, "I'll do it." And I I didn't know anything about television, but I thought, I you know. When you have something, that. you've already an, been thinking about. I've already been thinking about then. it, and it just it appeared, mm-hmm. and I just went, "I'm going to go with it," and and that's what I did. Mm-hmm. So, what is that like for you? Because we talk about that too. Like we were always dancers, and now we just talk all the time. <laughs> so, how was that for you to kind of make that shift too in the way you were expressing yourself? 
It was not as hard as I thought, mm-hmm. I have to tell you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in fact, jo- Jock Soto came up to me at one point. And he said, did you go to therapy for this? Did you go see someone? Because I didn't. I think, I think Rebecca, I was, it wasn't that I was done. Mm-hmm. I, I personally, I was, I was fine with it. I danced more than I wanted. Mm-hmm. I danced with Balanchine and Jerry. I was done with it. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't, I wasn't done with the art form. Right. I was just done with the dancing on the stage right. and and I didn't I don't and I never missed it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. maybe it's my own weirdness I but I oh, you left at the right time yeah, yeah. I yeah so uh what other avenues did you start to explore you always knew you were you wanted to stay with ballet is that or you no I okay. I didn't I was a single mom and I had to make a living mm-hmm. and you know and you do what you have to right. and and so I did this television for two years which I was not very happy doing I just really um, I miss the community of dance. I miss, you know, dancers have a very unique way that they communicate, that they hang, that they commune, um, their sense of humor, the way they look at life, the, you know, they, the way they look at the world is very... Um, Abnormal. <laughs> no, you, it's, well, it's unique. Special. I think yeah. it's special. Yeah. It's unique and not everybody has it. And I'm sure musicians are the same way and opera singers are the same way. So dancers have their own little... And um, so, and I just wasn't, you know, I would walk in, everybody said, oh my God, you're with Channel 4, you're getting a paycheck, you have insurance. And <laughs> I, I would walk through the doors of, um, what's it called, 50 Rock. I'd walk through the glass doors and my whole DNA would change. Like everything that Lourdes was, I don't, I don't know how else to explain it. Mm-hmm. I just didn't like it. Yeah. And the industry was just not one that spoke to me. Mm-hmm. And then um, Francis Petrelli came up to me, we bumped into each other somewhere. And he said, you know, they're looking for ballet academies, he's looking for a teacher to teach adult classes, would you be interested? And uh, I said, yes. And I started teaching after I would finish t- the television thing I'd, at night, I'd go and, and I was just happy. I mean, there were these, you know, people that were not going to dance, but I was happy mm-hmm. in it. I was happy, you know, and then Julia said, you know, start teaching for the school. And then I started to get more and more involved. And I spent about four years there. But again, not planned. Right, right. It's just the opportunity presented. And I said, I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, in those two years when you were doing television, were you taking bar? Were you doing any sort of ballet-related I think, activity? I think, you know what, Rebecca, I think that was part of it also because we're so used to these those endorphins mm-hmm. of taking class, of standing in first position, and all of a sudden going, I'm centered. And I did miss it, and there was nothing yeah. there. Th- that was hard. Mm-hmm. That was very hard. So teaching, probably. Right. So it, exactly, yeah. and it wasn't. Um, and I was so close enough to my career that I still kind of felt like I could do it. Right. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did that Ballet Academy East, and it was great. I got you know wrote help help Darla with the syllabus and with the levels and auditions, and I I worked with students and getting them the ones that weren't dancing. It was really it was really good because it kind of taught me to communicate, I think, in a positive way. Um, if you're not going to dance professionally, you know, how else can you contribute? It doesn't right. have to be on stage with a tutu and a crown and pink right. tights. There are many, many ways now in which the art form can use you, right. right, can use these individuals. So I did that, and then I was, you know, happy and as a pig and you know what. And, mm-hmm. um, and then Barbara Horgan approached me and said, um, we need, you know, we're looking for an executive director for the Balanchine Foundation, and would you be interested? Um, and I said, well, I don't even know what that 
that means, you know? Um, but, um, but so what we decided is that I would shadow their, their existing president, um, executive director. I would, for a summer to kind of understand. And that was, those were four fascinating years for me. I mean, it was, it, it, I thank Barbara because she, she basically took someone again who didn't know mm -hmm. yeah. and just said you figure it out right. and and it was and the trust right and she and i and year i mean years later i would say how did this happen and she said to me mr b always said you should it's such an odd it, it's such um it's such a unique community that you really want to get dancers mm -hmm. to do the jobs that right. that right. entail that are about dance right, because right. they're going to understand it mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, so at the Balancing Foundation, it was, it was um, really, it's where I learned about budgets and proposals and, and boards and governance and 501c3s and, um, I mean, this whole world that, and I learned a lot about Mr. B because all these documents and it was just all about his work. So all these, you know, articles and documents and images and pictures and stories and stuff was available to me, um, were available to me for me to look into mm -hmm. programming, you know, why did he program in city center? Why did he do that? You know, how interesting that he would put, you know, Swan Lake, pull you in, and then you, <clears throat> you had to sit through Fortis and Barocco and then Firebird, mm -hmm. you know, to kind of keep you. Right. It was just, it was, you know, how he was thinking or Lincoln, maybe it was Lincoln, I don't right. know, but it was there, he, it brought me really close and I learned a lot about him and, the, and New York City Ballet um, and that whole history. For our listeners who might not be aware of the difference between the trust and the foundation, can we talk about that a little bit sure. and what your work was specifically at the foundation? So the George Balanchine Trust is the entity that that licenses um, his works, his mm -hmm. ballets, and that oversees the artistic um, and the aesthetic levels, for to say, or standards of his works. Mm -hmm. um, the foundation is an organization that um, is primarily focused on preserving his works, meaning through video archives and through conversations with the original um, the original interpreters mm -hmm. of of his works, um, and also looking at other aspects of what Balanchine did, the Broadway years, the television years, other works that weren't necessarily for um, the stage. Right. So with the Balanchine Foundation, it was really about raising money to be able to kind of study and do the scholarship behind mm -hmm. um, the, behind his works, you know, who he was, what, you know, what do these, what do these scores mean, how we can preserve that. Right. Was that particularly gratifying for you to be, after having been removed, you know, working for Channel 4, and then now you're back and you're doing work preserving um, something you committed your life to before? Yeah, I mean, no, I couldn't, I, 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 I didn't even plan it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I didn't even plan it, but I, you know, I left, I walked out, uh, you know, because I didn't, I didn't tell anybody that I was leaving City Ballet. I just, mm -hmm. I, we were supposed to do a South American tour and I called the company, the general manager. And I just, <laughs> I said, I'm not, you know, I've just decided that I'm, I'm stopping. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to come back. Did you have a final performance? Mm -mm. I didn't tell anybody. Mm -hmm. wow. I told my family and that was it. I, after Brandenburg was my last performance. But you knew like in your heart. You know, I knew it was, yeah, yeah. I knew. And I told, like and, I, and I think Nikolai knew cause Nikolai was the last, was the last thing that I did with him. It was right. my last mm -hmm. performance. So Nikolai knew. Um, and I think he might've told a few people, but no. And uh, so, yeah, so I just kind of walked away mm -hmm. and, what, how it was four years, five years later, I'm plucked back into mm -hmm. the world, world of, and so it was, yeah, it was very gratifying. I mm -hmm. felt like I was 
it was I was home in a funny way. Well, you got replucked again. I got replucked <laughs> in 2012. Back coming coming back home when you came to Miami with Miami City Ballet. How did that job offer come about, and what made you eager to accept it? That was Bob Gottlieb, mm-hmm. who is a dear dear friend, um, a mentor. Robert, <laughs> oh, we had him on. Oh yeah, yeah. then you know. Yeah. Um, and I had known um, Bob for years at um, you know the early years at. At New York City Ballet because he was around doing I don't know what he was doing we knew of him but I had no if he told me then what does what does Robert Gottlieb do I would I'd be clueless right? <laughs> but he was always around he uh-huh. was just, he was just someone that we knew right um, and then I got to really know him at the Balanchine Foundation mm-hmm. uh, and we somehow became friends through this whole art kind of art history that I have this this you know um, interest of and um, and so Bob was. He was when when he was in New York, he would meet with me and he would say, "You know, we're trying to figure out what's you know with New York, with Miami City Ballet because Edward is leaving. And there are these problems. There's this mm-hmm. and that, and we don't know. And it's a Valentine. So he would, so do you think this person? Do you think that person? What have you heard of this? And mm-hmm. so we would have these conversations. And then um, one day, where it's it's I think it's like January, and it's like hot. We had this diner that he likes to go to on the East Side, and. And he said, uh, and he just looked, we were having the conversation again, and, and he just looked at me and he said, and by this time, I was with Morphosis, but Chris had left. Mm-hmm. So it was my second year of Morphosis. And so he looked at me and he went, oh, what about you? <laughs> and it was a little bit like, what about, you know, and, and he said, yeah, what about you for Miami City Ballet? And I just, you know, I stood there and I went, well, I mean, I've never, I've never done it. Mm-hmm. He said, but. He said, but you know these ballets, you know Balanchine, you know the legacy, you know this, you know that. Um, You've done so much work on the executive side of things by that Right, point. and that's what he said. And you, you went to Russia and you brought everything and all of this. And I and I remember seeing, you know, you've. I remember thinking to myself, my God, you've you've said yes to every opportunity in the world. <laughs> you know, you just. So I said, I said, I have to just think about this. I said because this this is it's a lot and it means moving my family down and you know. Um, and then I went home and I spoke to George and George said, you know, do you, how do you feel about this? And I said, well, you know what? It kind of feels organic to me because it's where I was raised. I speak the language. I know the balancing works. I said, what I don't, I know a school. I said, what I don't know is an artistic director. What, what does that mean? I mean, I can teach, I can coach, but what does that mean? What else does it mean? And, um, so I went, I think it was like a week later, six days later, I went back to Bob and we had a long conversation. What is it? Mm-hmm. What is the job? And um, and then I said, I said, okay. I said, you know, let's go for it. So w- once accepting the job, uh, what were some of the first positive changes that you sought to implement at the company at Miami City Ballet? I think, um, Michael, I think with all due respect, it was a very, to, to, all of you that were there, and and obviously to Edward, who's um, really a genius in respect to what he started. I mean, to think that Miami City Ballet in a school was started in basically what was then a wasteland, you know, um, and and that it was also, you know, you think about it, it was a balancing legacy. So it's a, it's not like he walked in and said, we're going to do Swan Lake and Corsair right. and Flames right. of Paris, right. right? He walked in with a very cultured, highbrow, you know, really – uh, of a of an aesthetic and and a and a legacy and a rep that not not many at that time in South Florida were even aware of, frankly, totally. right? Yeah. So it could not have been easy. But what I what I 
and it was such a it was such a traumatic. I mean, I think we can talk about it now. Honestly, it was such a it was such a mess. It was just such a hot mess. You came in overnight. <laughs> I came I came in overnight. It was such a hot mess. But I came in understanding that you guys had all been there and that I was a new one on the kit. I was a new kid on the block. You and also hadn't programmed that season that you came into the season already. That helped cast it. tremendously. Did it help? Okay. Yes, that Less helped pressure. tremendously because I didn't have to program. I didn't change anything of Edwards. It allowed me a year, a season mm-hmm. to kind of look around suss and suss it out <laughs> yeah. and 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 get my own feet mm-hmm. kind of planted on the ground Um, so it's a a little bit about you know how do I get them to trust me and how do I get them to understand I'm not going to fire everybody that that's not what I'm interested in Um, I'm interested in actually making it a better company you know rising it to the next level and I didn't know what that next level was I had no idea I had no idea Um, and so for me that means work the work Let's go in the studio and start working, mm-hmm. you know, which is what I've always known with Balanchine and Jerry. It's the work. Mm-hmm. We're going to go in and, and figure this out. Um, and I have to say, you guys were very receptive. There were very few, in respect to the dancers, there were very few that um, were resistant mm-hmm. to that, you know. And then I, the ones that were, we know who they are or were, mm-hmm. the ones that were, it was a little bit like, I'm here to, I'm here to try to, I'm here to. I'm here to give you everything that was taught to me. Mm-hmm. Take it or leave it. I'm not, you know, this is, this is, I feel like I want to feel good about myself. Yeah. And this is, yeah. this is my job mm-hmm. at this point. But then what I, what I realized as I looked and I looked at the, uh, at the rep is I thought, you know, there's so many ballets that haven't been done. Mm-hmm. You know, so many, not yeah. so many, but there were, <laughs> but there were, you know that I that you that I thought you know they they could really sure. do it and if and if you bring those ballets the dancers get ex- I mean I know this from my own dancing you get excited of course yeah you're like oh my god I'm, yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm gonna be in that class I'm gonna be front center mm-hmm. I'm gonna uh-huh. I'm gonna work because mm-hmm. you want to be in those ballets you want to and then those ballets make you better and then mm-hmm. it's like this and then audiences start to come in because they start to say oh my god look at this, look how they're dancing mm-hmm. you know because you're excited and so then they come and so it's like this vicious circle that kind of feeds itself right right and Mm -hmm. and so the hard thing for me was i'm not a choreographer Mm -hmm. um it would be easy if i could create right Right. but i'm not i'm not a you know there's a very interesting book um and it's called it's called i think it's called brava which is a story which is the biography of Lucia Chase. Is mm-hmm. it called? By I her, don't know the name of it, but by sure. her, by, <laughs> we're going to look it up. We'll look it yeah. up. You should look it up by <laughs> her son. And it talks, it's, it's a fabulous book. It's a mm-hmm. fabulous, because it talks about those early years, how, uh, how Mr. B and Lincoln um, basically said, we'll take, we'll state, we'll take the state theater. We'll mm-hmm. take city center. Mm-hmm. And Lucia said, no, I'm going to be at the Met. Mm-hmm. And so, because they were at at City Center, mm-hmm. then Morton Baum came and said, "You know, let's let's move you guys over to the State Theater." Right. And so, the son talks about a meeting that they had just had at at ABT, where the mother gave like half a million dollars mm-hmm. of of the family's money for because they were lo- they had to put Swan Lake with Macarva, they were losing money and all those. Mm-hmm. And he said, he says, I'll "Remember this." He he said, "And I walked across the I walked across the plaza, and I looked I looked over at New York City Ballet, and I thought to myself, they've already presented six brand new ballets." Hmm. And I thought that was. 
because of Balanchine and Jerry. Mm-hmm. So it's the new thing. Right. It's, it's what gets. And so right. I remembered that, and I said, okay, let's start to look at ballets that I can start to bring mm-hmm. a for the dancers and b for the audience and for the board because and for me also, mm-hmm. you know, because it's kind of exciting to have yeah. people, you know, come in and and you know different stages, different interpreters, you know, Justin and Ratmansky mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. whoever else. Um, you were the first director outside of New York City Ballet to commission a work from Justin. Um, what what about Justin caught your eye? Why did you think uh, I'm going to get in on the ground Morphosis. level? <laughs> when we were no no, he sent at Morphosis a um, and I think I still have it a mm-hmm. DVD of a piece that he did for the School of American Ballet to Mendelssohn's music, and I put it in, and it was I looked at this and I said, oh my god. This guy is talented. And it was a rehearsal of Schoolwork Ballet. I don't know what that ballet is, mm-hmm. you can ask him, but it was mm-hmm. Mendelssohn. And I and he did it for the school or the court, you know, that right, choreographic right, yeah, yeah. something, yeah. something, something like that. Something like that. <laughs> and I thought, oh my God, this guy could you could just tell the musicality, the formations, the it was inventive, it was different, it was the lineage was there, the and um and that just kind of it just it just stuck in my head. It just stuck in my head, and uh, and I think he and I had spoken. I think he came to the 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 uh, Pontuses, the last the last Morphosis rehearsal. He came with Tess, uh-huh. um, and we chatted a little bit. And um, and then I thought, let me just you know, I'm just gonna I'm gonna do it. And then so New World Symphony approached me about doing um, about finding a choreographer to do something with one of their. Uh, um, mm-hmm. With her quartet, one right. of their quartets, it was um, Michael Tilson Thomas, and I'd meet. I, I emailed Justin, and I said, "So you got nine days. <laughs> this is your money. Uh-huh. These are the this. This is it." And he he said yes, and that. When he was in the studio, I said, one of the reasons I want to do this is because once you get to know the dancers, I'd like to then commission you for a larger piece. And that's when he said to me, I remember this now, this conversation, he said, but I know these dancers. I went to SAB and he knew you and he knew that. So it wasn't – I thought I was bringing him in so he could get to know you guys. Mm-hmm. Little did I know he he knew you. So yeah. that's how that started. Yeah. I'm laughing at the idea of Justin Peck sending his videos places like, hire me. That doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> no, that does not happen anymore. That that's amazing. Uh, so what were some of the biggest challenges? Maybe things that you um, weren't expecting. You know, you expect that we were an arts organization. You have to deal with budgets and all that. But what was something that came up that you um, had to kind of find your way with as an artistic director? Oh my God, that's a tough question because I think there were just so many things. <laughs> there was just so, and there continue to be a lot of a lot of things. Um, you know, I think it's it's uh, it's a lot. It's like every day, you know, every day is something different. Mm-hmm. Every day is it's not as a dancer. You walk in every day, and it's your class, and then maybe you're, you know that your body's going to hurt a little bit, and maybe class is not so good. Maybe class is great. You can have a good, but it's more or less within this. An artistic director, it is, it's everything from like, you know, the plant in the kitchen died and do we get rid of the pot <laughs> to we can't make payroll. Uh-huh. I mean, so you, yeah. you have to, I think one of the things that I taught myself is just to stay calm mm-hmm. yeah. and not get too worked up about stuff that happens. You know, yeah. I, I can't, you know, if we don't have any Kleenex or toilet mm. paper in the bathroom, I can't, I can't deal with it at the same level as I have fought for dancers who are out or, mm-hmm. you know, we have to cancel something. So I, I think what I'm saying, Michael, is that it's, you have to walk in and, and you just have to, you know, 
deal with what <laughs> you know. There's a funny. There's a funny story I always tell about Mr. B. And uh, we were in. It was our first trip to Paris at the company. We were there for three weeks of dancing, and we were opening with Jules. And I was in the core. And we came in, and everybody was running around. I mean, people were. There was something was going on that very first day. And I, I walked out, and I see, I see Mr. B calmly walking with with Karen, mm-hmm. just be at the theater, just just walking. And but everyone else, it's like it's a yeah. nightmare. It's panic, and I don't know what it is. And then I find out that the orchestra, the French orchestra. Do you know this story? No, I, I feel like you've maybe sounds, told us. Yeah. It's not. It's not. Keep going. French that like the French the, the orchestra that was supposed to play for that they went on strike. Mm-hmm. That they weren't going to play that, and that's what everybody was freaking out. And then I find out that Mr. B said, no, not a problem, dear. We'll have Gordon and Jerry do, or no, we'll have Richard Mordock and Gordon do uh, emeralds on the piano. Then we'll have Jerry and Gordon do rubies. And then we'll have Richard and somebody else do diamonds on the piano. No problem. No problem. No problem and guess who was in the pit that night? Who? The orchestra. <laughs> It and I'll never out. forget. And he didn't get. Why stress? Yeah. You don't know the ending yet. He didn't get stressed out. And yeah. here's another great story. This is what I all find out. Um, this story I found out in reading at the Balanchine Foundation. So he, after many, many years, you know, there was a thing between him and Serge Lafarge because he really wanted to be the artistic director of Paris Opera and they gave it to Serge. And uh, who he and Lafarge never got, never got along, supposedly. And so he finally gets invited back years later to, to, create something mm-hmm. uh, for the Paris Opera. And he travels with Barbara Horgan, mm-hmm. you know, after after the City Ballet season. Do you know this? I st- love this story. Uh, I haven't yeah, heard no, it. You haven't heard it? Okay. We, we haven't so, told it on the podcast. Yeah. So it's, like, it's so, good. So he travels to Paris and and he gets there with Barbara. And and I think they, they, they arrange something like, you know, your rehearsal starts at 11 or 12, whatever, and I'll meet you here. Mm-hmm. And we'll, you know, we'll have, and then you'll go back, we'll have a lunch or something, and then you'll go back. And mm-hmm. then he, you know, he comes, she meets him, and, you know, a few hours later, and he says, so tomorrow, dear, we leave, you know, book the flight, because we leave for Monte Carlo. And Barbara looked at him and said, but Mr. Bell, you know, George, we're supposed to be here for three weeks, it's a ballet. And he said, no, it's all done, it's finished. He said, but. But so what had happened is that they had put him they in the basement with the second company. He said, "Well, they're in the in the basement, of the second company. They can't dance." So did simple ballet, and the ballet that he did was Wal, uh, Walpurgis Nacht, yeah. which is why it's so simple, right? Right? It da 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 da. Yeah. It's you know, it's little arm movements and so take padisha, so take padisha. And and I thought to myself, it's such an interesting lesson because there was George Balanchine. He didn't go in saying, listen, this is who I am. Uh-huh. Right. He was like, this is not, this is not my future. This is not my, these, these, this is not me. New York City Ballet is mine. Mm-hmm. This is, I'm not going to get worked up. I did my job. I actually did it very well. When it, when it, we, when he brought it to City Ballet, he changed it. He mm-hmm. put some hard things in it for us. But, um, and it was such an interesting lesson of him saying, this is not, uh, there's nothing for me to prove here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's the sorry? What's the story that we've heard about something? Someone told it to us on the podcast. Something going terrible, and Balanchine was just fixing someone's headpiece. Meryl's tiara, right? Meryl's tiara, like everything um, was crazy. And he's like, I can control this right yeah. now. Bob, 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 told us that Tchaikovsky piano mm-hmm. concerto, the fest. Mm-hmm. I mean, Chai- um, the Tchaikovsky festival, festival yeah. and the the tubes had, and there was a smell yeah. that was intoxicating. Yes. People were <laughs> nauseous. It was uh-huh. you couldn't, and it was chaos. And one of them broke and shattered on the thing. I mean, it was just a nightmare, mm-hmm. and. He was fixing Meryl's Swan Lake tiara. Yeah. I mean, but, and so there was an interesting lesson. Anyway, so my point to answer your question is that I think that's, and to this day, I still, 
I struggle with that because my my MO is to, to go like to, to right. fix it. And I go, yeah. I have to kind of let it. Yeah. When you mentioned this earlier, it made me think of something. And so I'm circling back. Um, when you said, when you came in and you were like, I needed to make everyone know I'm not going to fire everyone. Obviously, you came partially, at least because you knew that this was a, a balancing-based company. Right. Would you have been... Um, open to going somewhere else, knowing that you had to work from the ground up kind of. No. And you needed to have that base. I it felt orga- it felt yeah. right to me. It felt organic mm-hmm. because it was a big step. I was I was it was, you know, the company was a mess mm-hmm. uh, between the relationships and the board and this mm-hmm. and that. Um so it felt if it was like it was like Miami, I was raised, I speak the language, mm-hmm. it's balancing. I know it 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 just had it been an, one more you step. know Alaska, yeah. you know, Juno, Alaska, <laughs> uh-huh. I would have said no. Yeah. I, said, I can't. Because yeah. I don't it's not and then there's also there's um you know, there's a you know, there's there's um a responsibility that I think and I don't know why this is that a lot of us feel for that legacy. Mm-hmm. That is very, very real, and I know people look at us and say, "Oh my God, you guys are crazy," but um, but there is a responsibility of of saying we have, you know, we're here to pass it down for whoever wants it, mm-hmm. and um, and I think that's actually quite quite wonderful. Mm-hmm. We've talked a lot um, on our podcast about how being an artistic director is sort of like being in like the so called presidents club, you know, like nobody really knows what Until that job entails except for like the handful of yeah. you who do it, and often transitions or turnover happens in a little bit of turmoil and it doesn't always happen that you can pass that knowledge on to the person coming in. So how do you feel like that could have helped you and how do you feel like we can work as a whole to kind of pass on that knowledge for the future so future artistic directors don't feel that like I think it's feeling I tried to do that here Mm -hmm. but I was I was um um it, I was un- unsuccessful. Mm-hmm. I was not successful. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's incredibly important, you know, because um, it, to, to have an ally, to have a mentor mm-hmm. in 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 something that that deals with people's lives and deals with an art form and deals with you know just a world that that is not it's not a world that you as dancers mm-hmm. are really you know the the stage, but you don't know that the back. Things you know mm-hmm. the the back offices you don't know the back mm-hmm. back offices, and you're talking about a company that you, you have a, an, an institution that you wanna you wanna keep it moving forward. Why mm-hmm. why do why choke it? Mm-hmm. Why do you know there's it, not that it's fragile, but it's so hard already to keep these companies afloat and happening and producing and successful and making money and sustainable. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know why. Why destroy that? Um, but I think it takes a tremendous amount of generosity. And then it also takes people that are around you saying, we will trust the person who's leaving mm-hmm. to to understand or to help the person who's coming in. And sometimes that doesn't, doesn't happen. happen yeah. So sometimes it's not Mostly. even the artistic director. Right. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's the people around that say, no, 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 no. Right. You've made a choice to leave. It's, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So it, it it's going to take a village, you mm-hmm. know, for people, for that to start to to really happen. Oh, mm-hmm. right. yeah. um, so you've already, uh, you brought up obviously how important class was to balancing. And you've, you always say it's very important to you as well. Um, what is it about daily class, taking class every day that you think helps define a dancer? I think it's a lot of things. I think it's um, 
You can tell I've thought about this a lot. <laughs> I think it's it's number one, dancing. Let's look at it physically. Mm-hmm. It is not it, it, it. Our bodies weren't meant to do it. Mm-hmm. They weren't meant to do it. So the only way of um, of maintaining that kind of in physical integrity is through is through class every day. Mm-hmm. So that's number one. Number two, I think I think psychologically it it prepares you for what you're about to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it kind of centers you, and and from and I've always felt that the hardest thing you do a day should be your class, that hour and a half, mm-hmm. and that everything else is should be or should feel like a little bit of a piece of cake. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 almost spiritual where you just go in and you. Um, you know, and then when you, you know, think about it, I mean, think about how extraordinary this art form is that the, the way that you, the way that you stood at the bar, your very first day in class, mm-hmm. right. And learning those four or five positions with your left hand at the bar is the way I'm still doing it at the age of 60 when I warm up and like to teach, mm-hmm. I'm still going through mm-hmm. those. It, it gives you the sense of, of being a servant, right? You know that you're serving the art form; it's not the other way around. So all those things, I think, are are in really important. You know, Marika. You know, Marika Molnar. Mm-hmm. Have you ever done a podcast with her? We're, no, you, we've we, talked she's to her about it. We really we should. Want her. We really yeah, yeah. should. Yeah, yeah. It's just timing. We should yeah. be see when we're in New yeah, York. Yeah, when we're back. Because yeah. she and I up. talk about mm-hmm. a, a lot about this, and and she's a physical you, therapist for New, York physical City. for New York City. But she's more than that. Mm-hmm. She's you know she's someone who really took dance medicine and just evolved it, put mm-hmm. it into the future when nobody was doing that. And she talks about the and I the physiological changes that happen um, by a dancer just standing in first position mm-hmm. and holding their backs and doing it. In other words, how how your whole psyche based on that changes mm-hmm. and how your body starts to understand it from years ago. And so uh-huh. she and and Often she'll say, you know, when when dancers are feeling are feeling down, I ask them just to go and stand at the bar and do a very simple, just nothing, just simple tendus, little mm-hmm. porter bra, just to somehow because your body starts to understand what it used to do, mm-hmm. and the endorphins kind of kick in. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of things, you know, that I just feel that it's it's critical. It it's it teaches you, yeah. and it's where you it's where you work on yourself, you know. And no one's judging you, and and you can you can do a step four and five times. You can't do a variation four and five times on the stage, mm-hmm. but you can do it in in class, trying to get better. Right. Yeah. Gotta get in that first position. Maybe later today. <laughs> yeah, that's inspiring. Really like, no, I'm yeah. like maybe I'd even really in your street yeah. shoes and your yeah. loafers. <laughs> maybe that'll help today. <laughs> um, so, what are your continued goals that you have for Miami City Ballet? I don't have any. I, people mm-hmm. always ask me, "What's your vision? What are you gonna?" I don't have any. I just. I, I I think the art form should just do what it does. I mean, what I want are good dancers, mm-hmm. right? Um, and and uh, dedicated dancers, but you know, dancers that want to dance. I want a good rep. I want, you know, wonderful theater. I want an orchestra. I you know, I just just what this is what a ballet company is supposed to do, and we will produce the work. But I can't say, oh well. I envision, you know, dancing in Mars or I don't. It's it's like you, I get up every day and I go, no, what 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 does it need? Okay, who's out there? What can I bring? What's going to work here? What ballet have I? I mean, I was talking today about Port and Superior. I was thinking, hmm, maybe do you think? It's stuff like that. I, yeah. mm-hmm. It's not. And it comes I, to you. <laughs> I th- it's because I think about it, it's like children. You know, what do they need today? Is it broccoli? Did they have spinach yesterday? Mm. Is it broccoli today? Do I need to buy them clothes? Have they outgrown? 
Mm-hmm. I, I know I, it sounds horrible and people probably get very upset, but I don't, and maybe it's because I don't choreograph that I don't have that thing, That's, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. You're more anchored in the, the present. I'm more anchored in this is a company that, and it's going to produce great stuff that's important to mm-hmm. be seen. And and it has know. to continue to move with the art form. That's another reason why you- It yeah. has to continue, you know, uh, and it's one of the things I wanted for Miami City Ballet. I said, it, I want it to be a nationally recognized organization that's doing important work, mm-hmm. important work. So yes, we're going to maintain our Balanchine legacy and our Robbins legacy. All that is, we're in head, it's in our DNA and I don't want to yeah. get rid of it because mm-hmm. I believe in it, mm-hmm. but it has to be doing important work mm-hmm. for the ecology, for the for the future of the art form. So mm-hmm. what does that mean? It doesn't always mean tutus and tiaras. It might mean something else, but it, it, it has to have a purpose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you will be an awardee this year at the Dance Magazine Awards on December 3rd in New mm-hmm. York City, um, which celebrates the most influential people in our world. So uh, what does it mean to be recognized by uh, such a prestigious organization like this? I think, you know, <laughs> I'm going to, again, just be uh, a little blunt. <laughs> you, as, as a dancer, this award means a lot to me mm-hmm. now. As a dancer you kind of, um, not that you expect, but you would hope to get the Dance Magazine Award Mm -hmm. when you're dancing, Mm -hmm. right? And they put, you're up in videos, and you're doing this, and you're doing Mm -hmm. that. Um, And then I, you know, when Wendy called me, and I said, well, what am I, why am I getting it? Mm -hmm. I literally said, why am I getting it? But now it means more, because now what it means is really a lifetime Mm -hmm. that I've spent in dance. Mm-hmm. So it means so much more. It's not just what I did on the stage. It's what I've done afterwards mm-hmm. um, of being involved. So it's this, the, um, so it has a deeper, more profound mm-hmm. meaning to get the award now than if I had gotten it when right. I was a principal with New York City Ballet. Mm-hmm. And it's not to diminish those that had got it <clears throat> at all while mm-hmm. they were dancing. It's not. It's only to say that um, for me, it's like, you know, Wow, it's I look back and I go, well now I now I know why I'm getting it. It's mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well we hope that all of our listeners in New York City will go we'll and see you. See you. That'll be great. Yeah. <laughs> your award. We really yeah. wish we could be there. And Misty is gonna be hosting, is, right. she's, yes, hosting. she's hosting and she's mm-hmm. emceeing it. That's gonna be so, so fun. Yeah. And it's it's a great it's Crystal Pite, I mean, who I adore and mm-hmm. uh, Ronald K. Brown. Nigel is um, is getting one. It's Michael Trosnovic from mm-hmm. Paul Taylor. Right, so. right, right, right. So it's 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 really an unbelievable. It's a great crew. You it's got a great crew. It's a great. I mean, good sure. company. Sure. <laughs> so that brings us to our last. Oh my gosh, an hour and ten minutes already. It's just been so fun to yeah. chat with you. <laughs> but this is yeah. our last little bit. We call it our lightning round. So we'll just give you one question, and you just answer with the first thing that comes to mind. It's not scary. Don't worry. <laughs> is there one role that got away while you were dancing that you wish you could have danced? There's several roles that got away. <laughs> There's several roles, yeah. And um, uh, I think uh, Scotch was one of them oh, that I really always wanted to do, and I still. Um, and Duo Contratant was another one that I always wanted to do and and never did. There, there are a few, but there aren't that many. There yeah. may be one or two more, yeah. um, but they're really it's a pretty they're, big rep. It would be hard to hit all all the favorites. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but I don't I don't have. Um, I really don't have any regrets, and mm. I, I really don't. Yeah. I really don't. So if you could come back to dancing tomorrow and dance only one ballet, what would it be? 
Oh my God, Michael! <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I I think I'd have to say um, I'd have to say Second Act Swan Lake. Ah. I'd have to say because mm -hmm. it has so much of everything mm -hmm. that I love. It has this you know great music and narrative um, steps and um, you know it's just it it it's it's how I grew up mm -hmm. with ballet. I mean I know that I'm leaving out a lot of the Balanchine rep, and somebody would have said, "Well, don't you want to do?" But I think Swan Lake is just, it's at the heart of what this art form mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is all about, yeah. you know. Um, is there a ballet that was created after you retired that you would have really liked to have danced in? No, I can't. I haven't seen, I don't look at it that way. Uh -huh. and, and I also don't look at ballets that I used to do with me in it. I, mm -hmm. I So no. We understand that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, actually, I was just thinking that. I was like, maybe I should ask myself that question. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I um, we're thinking the same thing sitting mm -hmm. out in the audience. It's mm -hmm. just like watching. You're just watching. Yeah, you're just yeah. watching. Love you're an audience member. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. yeah it's, it's really, really cool. it's very nice. Yeah, it is very nice. nice. Yeah, it's liberating. Yeah. Uh, what's your favorite correction to give in class? Stand and fit. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good Stand one. And fit. It's, it's home base. It's it my is. favorite correction. <laughs> um, okay, sky is the limit. No budget. Is there a dream project that you have for Miami City Ballet? Well, we are hoping to make the dream project happen. Uh, Ratmansky Swan Lake. Yes. Oh so yeah, um, I'm hoping for that, so and that'll be 2020. Mm -hmm. Um, if it happens, and then I also I also want to do a Sleeping Beauty. Mm -hmm. You know, find someone that can. Mm -hmm. um, I just think it's you know it's we, we all know the history of Sleeping Beauty and that score, um, but also it's it is it's this ballet that just has so much dancing in mm -hmm. it. I mean, just it's a classical. Dancing and um, Tchaikovsky can't and go wrong with Tchaikovsky. Yeah. Tchaikovsky and um, you know, and then I, you know, the the, the classics are important to audiences. Mm -hmm. Would you yeah. want to keep it classic, or would you want to like update it and make it like? I would want to update it. Yeah, I would. I would want to update it. Yeah. but I think that's you know that's harder kind of the choreographer. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. Right, right. But yeah, but it's important but, to do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, Lourdes. Thank no, no, this is so a great pleasure. Thank you so, so much. Fun. So much fun. <laughs> thank and, you. Every year, the Dance Magazine Awards bring stunning moments of artistry and poignant speeches from the awardees. This year, on December 3rd, Dance Magazine honors Lourdes Lopez, Crystal Pite, Michael Trusnevik, and Ronald K. Brown, while Misty Copeland will be welcoming the guests. In addition, two Harkness Promise Awards and the first-ever Leadership Award will be given out as well. For tickets to this uplifting evening, go to dancemagazine.com and click on Dance Magazine Awards. The awards will be held at the Ailey City Group Theater in New York City. Thank you for joining us this week. We are excited to announce that you can now listen to Conversations on Dance on Spotify, in addition to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or through our website at conversationsondancepod.com. Subscribe now to receive notifications of new episodes. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Conversations on Dance. See you next week. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait. 
Is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. On Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.